Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there. Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, episode number eight. Merry Christmas to you as well. Hope you're ramping up for an awesome Christmas season full of rest, relaxation. I know how busy Christmas can be, but I hope you're looking forward to it. Hope you're looking forward to this podcast today. My friend Jim Malloy from the Maritimes District is going to be sharing some of his thoughts. We do a rapid fire question round at the end. You'll want to you'll, you'll want to stick around to the end to hear about that. Ah oh, man, love this guy. He's got a lot of great things to say. So that's going to be coming up in just a little bit. We're going to be launching some new things in the in 2019, which it, you know again isn't that far away. So I hope you're going to stick around for more Multiply Network stuff. Check us out poc.org backslash Multiply Network for more stuff. Here's the podcast with Jim Malloy. Really excited to have Jim Malloy on the Multiply Network podcast. I didn't get a, a bio from Jim, so I had to go online and look at Google to see what uh, what he's up to these days. Found out he's a luxury real estate agent <laughs> in Toronto. That's he's, true. It is true. Yeah, <laughs> he's part of a biotech company uh, in Texas, I think. Master Black Belt. He's also a property manager <laughs> in Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> and he's also here uh, as a representative of the Multiply Network lead team, works at the district office of the Maritimes. He's an author. I think he blogs, does some writing. And he's a great friend of mine. Jim Malloy, welcome to the Multiply Network podcast. Hey, Paul, nice to be here. I'm glad I could take some time off my real, my real estate business to to be with you today. <laughs> I just it's one of my uh it's one of my go-tos that I use at uh when I'm emceeing weddings I look up people's names and right. usually gets a good laugh or two but I've never googled myself. I, I should have done that. You should have done that. That's a rookie mistake. I didn't know I didn't know it was such a big deal. It is such a big deal. Uh so thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk uh, church planting but but more uh let's start off with uh, where do you live? What do you do? And maybe tell us a little bit of how you came to Christ, call to ministry, that type of thing. Sure. Uh, I live in a little town called, actually, I live in a little town outside of a little town. So I live in a town called Truro, Nova Scotia, which is about an hour north of Halifax, Nova Scotia. But I live outside of Truro in a little town called Valley, population like six. So I live there with me and a few people. And, uh, and I've been there for 15 years, working in the district office, and uh, our district office is located in Truro, and we look after three provinces, so Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI is our region, 65 churches, and um, currently having we have three church plants in the hopper that are, that are going well, and um, that's what I do. I focus mostly in my office on uh, church planting, of course, uh, next generation ministry, and leadership development. That's kind of where I live. And then whatever else gets thrown my way. We're a smaller district, so everybody has to carry some things that are outside a portfolio. But that's that's what I spend most of my days doing. 
And just, you know, how'd you come to Christ, call to ministry, back us up to uh, teenage Jim Malloy? Yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was a pretty cool kid. I was pretty, I was pretty impressive. <laughs> I bet you were. Uh, yeah, I was something. Uh, I, I actually have a great story of coming to Christ. Uh, I came to Christ as a child um, and lived, I've lived my whole life serving Christ uh, with, you know, a few, a few dark days in the middle. But what had happened was um, we were living in a small town, a group in a small town called Port Hawkesbury, which is on an island uh, in the eastern part of Nova Scotia, small town, a couple thousand people. My parents had moved there to work in a pulp mill. Uh, my dad did. And there was no church in the town, no Pentecostal church in the town, at least. And uh, my parents weren't churchgoers. Uh, but a gentleman in 1969, a guy by the name of Gordon O'Coyne came and planted, uh, tried to start to plant a church in Port Hawkesbury. And one day he or somebody from the church came and knocked on my mother's door. Um, she answered the door holding little one-year-old me. Um, and that, that invitation to a new church plant in the town, um, she, she decided to go. And uh, she brought me. And then two years later, when my sister was born, brought my sister uh, and so right from the day one of that church plant, I was carried to the church. And then I grew up in that church and uh, called to ministry in that church. Uh, lived my faith experience uh, in, that, in that one church until I was 18. And then went off to Bible school in Peterborough. And so I'm a direct result of, of good multiplication. Um, back in those days, it was a little different. Gordon O'Coin was just sponsored by a couple of churches to come, planted roots down in the town. And then a couple of other churches, you know, within two or three hours drive um, came. They started meeting in a home. And then eventually uh, they built a church building with the help of, of uh, men and women from, from churches within a three-hour radius would come in on the weekends or in the evenings and help construct the building. And that became the church that, that I grew up in and uh, served there as a, as a student and then um, graduated from high school, went on to Bible school. Such a cool story because, you know, it's going to lead in really well to our conversation today about church multiplication. But I think we have this tendency to think that church planting can only happen in cities. And here we have a great example of it happening in a small town and leaving an impact. And how many years later that's that church now replanted again, but is still in that community. Talk to us a little bit about rural planting and maybe some of the misconceptions about it. Well, there are some there are some real advantages to rural planting. Um, you know, it, it depends on how you how you view your numbers. If you're if you're in a rural church and you're you know church plant and you're you are going and expecting, you know, a launch service of two, three, four hundred people, you're going to be disappointed. But if you if you're into a small town and you and you start either you start small in a you know in a home setting or you find a few believers that you can start something with, or you can do or larger launch. Both work, and the advantage is that in a small town, uh, the church plant is known right away. So in Halifax, we have a new church plant, and you know only a very small percent of Halifax would even know that a new church plant is there, even though the plant is going very well with Nova in uh, in Halifax, with you know 300, 400 people attending. Um, in a small town, though, if you have 20 people, you are you are known. Uh, we have a small church plant 
in a in a little town in Nova Scotia here, and right now it's it's about twenty five or thirty people, and um, everybody in the town knows that when 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 the mayor of the town wants something done, she calls that little church to to come and serve at her community events, and so there's a real ability to be known quickly in a small town um, and build relationships, and that that can actually increase you know the rate of growth quite quickly. Um, just by the the ease of exposure that happens in a local town, so we've discovered that to be a little bit of an advantage. And the other thing with small towns is that almost any methodology works. So if you, in our case, we've discovered that you can go in, and you can do large launch, and large might be a hundred people or fifty people, or you can do home church, or you can just do some tenderizing events for a year as a as a kind of a relational planter. Um, those things all work. In small towns, as as the, as the planter gets to get known, uh, people begin to come. So it's it has some advantages, and in some ways, I think it's a little easier in small towns than it is in in large city. And in Maritimes, that's your story because there's not a lot of large cities out there. I mean, Halifax would be the largest city that you would have. Right. So do right. you have? So why don't you talk to us a little bit about? Some of the opportunities to plant out in the Maritimes. I know you guys are very focused on that, both revitalization and multiplication. But what are some opportunities out in the Maritimes for people maybe listening that are like, yeah, I feel called to plant a church. Is the Maritimes open? Send one, send all. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, we we actually have, we're ready. Uh, We have have our systems and our processes and our funding ready. Uh, What we need is leaders. Um, So we we have a pretty good uh, financial investment to to an entrepreneurial planter or a church that wants to plant a church. Um, So we have multiplication money. We have multiplication systems and processes. And what we need is leaders. The other thing we have is we have multiplication you know, points of interest or towns of interest or cities of interest, we have, uh, as a district, have picked seven different communities where we would like to see our next seven church plants. You know, we would be open, of course, to a planter coming and saying that they want to plant in a different town other than our seven. That would be no problem. But as a as a district team, we have, we've picked seven communities that we would say, this is where we would, you know, if we could have our way, we would put new churches in these towns. And so we've kind of listed, and they're a combination of of um, rural, town, small town plants, and a couple of them in the larger centers, like like a Moncton, New Brunswick, or a St. John, New Brunswick, or of course, Halifax could use many more plants. Then we have the, the small towns, like, like a New Glasgow, and that's just about an hour from Truro, where we'd want to put a church. So we have those those opportunities. The other opportunity we have is in places where we have actually closed churches. So for various reasons, churches have closed. Um, a great example of this would be Campbellton, New Brunswick, where actually has Campbellton Church, when it was open, actually sent out a lot of leaders across the fellowship, including former just former general superintendents came from Campbellton. Um, and lots of leaders have come from well, that church is closed, but we would love to go back there with a church, a new church plant. The town has changed. So what was an English church, we would now plant as a French church because the amount of French-speaking people in Campbellton has changed. And so so we would go back there with a with a French planter if we could if we could find one. We have the systems, we have the money, we just need the leaders. We have the towns of, of target. Um, we just need the people to come and plant. And 
we're leaning a little bit into recruiting here in the district and asking our current churches to consider multiplication in nearby towns. That, that's yeah. probably going to be our, our, the main part of our strategy is to have have local churches get a church multiplication burden. Yeah, you know, go down the road an hour and and plant um, and, and plant in that town. So, I mean, this is something right across the board. You know, you sit on national teams. We've talked about it. Leadership pipeline. Right. It's it's the biggest need right now in church multiplication. It'll be our biggest need in five to ten years for existing right. churches as the the leaders who are now in their 60s may be looking to, to retire. So we've got an off-ramp but we don't have a very good right. on ramp for leadership. Sure. Um, we have Bible colleges, you know, they're doing great and, and those things, but it's just not going to be enough. We're not pumping out enough, even at our Bible colleges and grateful for them. But just what are we going to do, Jim? What are some thoughts about filling our leadership pipeline? What are some of the things you're thinking about in the Maritimes? Well, I think there are a couple of places where our future planters are living. I think one of them is in our in staff roles, um, people who are serving as kids pastors and youth pastors and associate pastors, worship pastors in in churches, but they're not the lead pastor. That's where I'm discovering that that when people start to kick around the idea of planting, a lot of those people, those tire kickers, are actually people who are in support or secondary roles now, that are, you know, just getting enough. They feel just enough ministry experience under their belt to go out and step out and, and lead multiplication. Um, so I think that's where some of those um, people um, are living right now. And we just have to probably talk a little more often with those who are in secondary roles about multiplication. Of course, if they could multiply from their current church, if, the, if their current church would take on the multiplication uh, mandate, it'd be a real win. I think in the Maritimes, we're probably going to have to think, and this might be a little bit controversial, but we're going to have to think about um, non-credential holder or lay church planters. So people who are who are great leaders in the local church who come under who would come under the authority of a local church, but are not afraid to do the heavy lifting of planting while being under you know being under authority and being accountable to what they do. And of course we would try to move them to credentialing, but I think there are people, second career people or people who have margins in their careers that would allow them to, to, to plant. Um, we just have to have the apparatus around them to make it happen. So I think there's something in there for us. Uh, I certainly don't have it figured out, but I, I, I do hear some lay people, non-credential people talking about being involved in multiplication some of them are great leaders in their careers um, and would do very well as planters. And so figuring how to stick handle through that, I think there's something there for us in, in the Maritimes. And maybe those who have a pension at 55, you know, they've worked right. 25, uh, 30 years maybe, and, uh, you know, have got a full pension, could retire. Right. We've got right. some of those. I know there's a story of a retired police officer planting in a rural town here and, um, fantastic. I think there's lots right. of, I think we need to expand our search, uh, mm-hmm. rather than just the typical church planter we think and see on Instagram. I think we have to expand our search. Why right. don't you, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what do you think are some characteristics? And so 
you don't have to have all of these, but these are what would be some of the things that you would say that you'd be looking for in a church planter as far as characteristics? Well, I think, I think, um, you know, I, we have seen across the country in a course across our district, you know, planters that have done well and planters that have, haven't done well. The ones that do well seem to have a couple of things that I've noticed. Um, first of all, they tend to be willing to be accountable, to be, to be under authority, to be under a church, to work in partnership with a district or partnership with a coach. They just have a little bit of a thirst to be, to be with someone, not to be, you know, not to be so entrepreneurial that they're solo. Um, but the ones that have real success really put themselves into a lot of relationships and a lot of accountability. That that seems to work. Um, they seem to do really well. The other characteristic, of course, is they have to be full of faith. Uh, they have they have to believe that God is going to do it, that God is going to show up, that God is going to help, that God's going to provide. They have to have at their core just a belief that God is going to be with them. Right. Um, if they if they if they step out, they sort of wonder if God is going to come along. They don't. They don't tend to walk in authority or walk in confidence because they they just have this little insecurity about it. I don't know if God's going to come through here. So our best planters just they just have this really wild conviction that God is going to show up and and um, you know and do it. Um, probably the third thing. There's probably lots of things, but the third thing that comes to my mind is is just a tenacity, just 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 raw grit, just will stick to it. Um, they don't get, they don't, you know, as the discouragement comes, it doesn't beat them to the ground, but they just, they can, they have this ability to just, you know, brush the dust off, go at it again, brush the dust off, go at it again, brush the dust off, go at it again over time and time again, just to have that, love it, that ten- tenacity. Um, and we got a couple planters right now that are in different levels of, you know, different levels of success in terms of numbers. But a couple of them are just, they're just, they're like a dog with a bone. They're, they're just not, they're not going to be thwarted by the obstacles that are happening. And they, they try one thing and it doesn't work. Well, we'll try something else. And so they have a real right. stick to itness. And I think that's, you know, if you don't have that as a planter, I think yeah. discouragement becomes your reality and, and, you, and you just, you tap out. Right? Yeah. That's you you kind of got to outlast the the issues you know like it, it's right. got uh, you can't a church planter can't look at this and go well if it doesn't work within a year man it takes up to five years longer right. in some cases right. before the church is self-sustaining you got to go in with that mindset perseverance grit tenacity love that so yeah. someone on the uh you know i'm here in edmonton i drive 20 minutes in any direction and there's a slight cultural difference right in even Edmonton, our cities, they're very different parts of, you know, Edmonton, for example, or Toronto. Coming to the Maritimes is very different. Right. So someone coming from, you know, Western Canada out to the Maritimes, would there be any cultural barriers? Or what do you think would be the differences as you've been across Canada? Of course, you live in the Maritimes. You've seen people from out west come east. Any Anything we need to be aware of coming out to the Maritimes? Uh, yeah, a couple things, I guess. Uh, there really are two different cultures in the Maritimes. You have a very distinct small town culture, 
where relationships are high value, you know, kitchen parties are our thing, um, going out with the guys, hanging out with the girl, like the very relational type stuff in small town. When you move into our larger cities like Halifax, Moncton, St. John, Fredericton, some of those larger centers, relationships seems to, to diminish a bit and people tend to to burrow a bit more into their own houses and into their own careers and, and be a little less little less people in the inner urban centers. Um, but merit you will look you will offend maritimers if you're coming in and you're not aware of the culture, you will offend maritimers um, if you if you don't show a lot of respect. Um, if you think you're better than um, or if you if people make references to how good things were in a different part of the country, um, that sort of rubs maritimers the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, you know, we, there's a, this is a great place to live. Um, and it's a great place to work, great place to raise a family. Uh, and when somebody comes from the outside and, and compares uh, right. their former reality to their new reality in a negative way, um, people, People that kind of they kind of rubs them raw. There is also a thing in some maritime communities, especially um, especially on PEI. If you are from away, you can live in PEI for forty years and still be from away, right? You still get treated oh, really? like, you're from, from, like you're from away. Okay, um, and that carries just a little bit of baggage with it too. And um, you're not really. It takes a while to get in. Okay, uh, so. You don't really, you don't really launch out with, yeah, I'm from and name another province. You just sort of keep that to yourself and just pretend that you've always lived there. One uh, of the things that I know about Maritimes, they're very proud, very proud, and I totally agree. Like, mm-hmm. you got to come in and respect where you where you've been. Sure, talk right. about where you're at, but then talk right. about the great things about where you are. Right. Uh, exactly. I've I've talked with some leaders that have moved to a different province or a different city. And all they talk about is where they used to be and how awesome that was. And it just sends the wrong message. So good practical advice there. Yeah, the, the personality trait that really rubs the Maritimers, you know, rubs the Maritimers wrong is arrogance. If if yeah. a leader comes in and they are, as soon as they're perceived as arrogant or know-it-all, that particular trait um, in the Maritimes is really offensive. Where if you are, if you are a know-it-all, um, and you go to the U.S. or other parts of the country, you, you can get away with it a bit more. But if they in Maritimers, if they sniff the, lead, the least little bit of of arrogance, um, you get shut out pretty pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I, I think it's probably true everywhere, but certainly in the Maritimes. Yeah. So as you think about planting, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately, going to maybe blog about it this month. How the church needs to go from addition to multiplication. Right. How do you get your new church plants to think about being a church planting church? Like, how does that happen? Do you have stuff built into your strategy? Like, in the first five years, they need to multiply. Given any thought about that, like, what can we do across Canada to get our new church plants thinking about multiplying and not just being? Mm-hmm sustaining as if that was the success point right as a district we try to start to ask our planters right from day one what what's where's your next planting place 
Um, and that might not even be a different town. That might be just a different people group. But when, where's your next? And right from, right even before they have their first launch service, we try to get our planters thinking about, you know, if God really shows up here and this thing really, this thing really happens, and in two years you're at 200 people, what, where, where are you going next? And, um, and so I take, you know, even our, our newest plant, which is Nova with Mike Miller, right from day one, he's already had his sights set on different areas and different ministries that he wants to plant out of, out of Nova. I think for the planter, they have to, they have to make that a part of their language and their talk right from, right from the start. Um, we, you know, just, we are a church that's, we are, a, we are a movement that plants churches. We're not a, we're not a church plant. We're, we're a church planting movement. And so you've got guys like Mike Miller or Dave Soller who, who didn't, didn't move into town to, to plant a church, but they moved into town to plant multiple points of ministry. That's, that's in their DNA. And so um, I think planters need to think a little bit. Of, if this thing is a real success, if this thing is a real success, right. where, are we going, where are we going next? And then live in that. Like this is going to be a real success. And where are we going next? Even our, even our smallest plant, um, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's just the way planters think, but even our smallest plant, she is, she's already thinking next town, right? Love so, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, she can't do it yet because she's still working on her current town. But if, if that'll happen if it's in, if it's in mindset. Sure. Yeah, even starting an alpha in a town right. 20 Maybe. minutes away, like it, right. it doesn't have to be a big launch strategy. Mm-hmm. A disciple making community can start from a lot of different, different things for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about just uh, prior to the podcast, and I thought uh, this would be a good conversation point. How do we redirect passions of planters when they might not fit the typical planter profile. And so they're like, I'm really excited about planting, but then all of a sudden you do the assessments and some of that stuff, and it doesn't come back as strong as maybe they would like it. Why don't you talk to the group here listening in? What are you guys doing? How are you approaching that? Right. Well, I had a, a couple of opinions on that. I'm not sure they're right, but I have opinions. Uh, one of the one of the challenges I have is I don't like our our current planting approach to assessment. When you get a red light or a green light, so you're either you're a, you're a planter or you're not, because I I don't like the idea of shutting down anybody's calling. Because um, when I lined up, you know, my inventory of skills and gifts, and especially when I was young. Um, somebody should have talked me out of this because I don't have the capacity. Right. But somehow God made up the difference and I've been able to do some things in the kingdom. And so I'm really, I'm really cautious about selling somebody. No, you are not a planter. Um, But what I would say is the people who would be assessed as not a planter um, should always get, uh, you're not a planter yet. So there's some things that they, anybody can do. Um, one of those things would be partnerships. If if you get a if you get a score that says you are not a planter, well, maybe that just means that you need to be working with a planter or with a planting church or a multiplication point of ministry. Um, knock the solo entrepreneurial planter out of your thinking and think, you know, think kingdom, think multiplication, and and roll within that rather than thinking I'm going to be the superstar solo planter with 300 people after my first year. Um, those are really rare people. So I think 
I try to talk those people into partnerships because they have stuff to bring. Um, but I don't like, I don't think they need to be red lighted or green lighted. The other, um, the other, the other piece of it was, I, I think in the play, when you decide that you're going to be a, a multiplier, I think you have to be ready to be the recipient of hard conversations. Yeah. Um, even more so than a person who's just going to go in and pastor a church uh, that has just been previously pastored by another pastor. Um, it's, I think there's a little nuance, a little difference that you have, you got to be ready as a planter for some hard conversations because by nature, you're going to make mistakes. And by, by, by nature, your personality is going to, is going to bump up against some things that just, that, that just impede what you're trying to do. And you need other voices who are not afraid to tell you, yeah. Hey, when you said that you look like a jerk, Hey, you know, you, you're doing this out of ego or, Hey, you need to really work on your administration. Like so you need, you need to have so people who get red lighted um, that they can't play. It, uh, if they if they can really be open to hard conversations, they could actually have a role to play in multiplication. Right. Yep. Yeah. This uh, you, there's lots of different thoughts about um, red light, green light on church planting. I think it also depends on the model. Right. Because I think most of our assessments are set up for one right. type of prototypical right. planter. Right. But uh, to have someone go into a town to be an incarnational missionary that just starts in a house church and mm-hmm. you're not asking them to have nope. uh, CRA nope. applications ready right away. You're not asking for. So mm-hmm. I think it really does depend on the model of planter. And so maybe there's someone out there listening going, whoa, I only thought there was you had to pass this and you had to do that. And then right. you had to jump through 15 more hoops. And then they think about whether or not you're going to be a planter. We're, we're trying to on-ramp people as much as right. we can in the multiply network. And so just love your thoughts. Around yeah, there's, all that. Kinds, there's multiple roles in multiplication. Yes. Uh, we just, we can't think about the entrepreneurial um, high charismatic. Right. Planter. There's so many ways to get, so many different roles and ways to get the job done. Yeah. So if you, if you don't pass a certain type of assessment, there is, that's not a, that's not a roadblock for you. That's just a detour, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you just redirect them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So I want you to think beyond Maritimes now, Jim, think about Canada, specifically Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. You've been in all, I think you've been in every district for sure. Um, yeah, sure. You you know you've got a pretty good outlook on Canada. What do we need to do as a group, as a tribe, to move church multiplication systems forward? Like, what do you think? Um, what do you think we need to be working on? Because I know other denominational leaders are listening to this podcast. They're they're thinking about systems. They're thinking about moving stuff forward. What do we need to do, Jim? Well, that's a that's a pretty large question. I, I think, um, you know, at the, assuming that we have a foundation where we actually want to see lost lost people come to Jesus, I mean, assuming that's all in place, I think that's and I don't think it is. I think I think you know many of our churches have got into a rhythm that's not missional, that doesn't really care a lot about lost people. But if we had, as you know, a, a a core ethos that we are all about lost people. I think multiplication sort of 
happens naturally. It's almost like an apple tree, right? The apple tree just gets so full of nutrients, it has no choice but to break out in apples. Mm-hmm. I think as an assembly, if we, you know, if we are so full of that passion for lost people, multiplication is 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 a natural outflow. It's it, it'll it'll happen by accident, you know, based on our missional ethos. I think I, I think we'll we have no choice but to break out in apples. Um, upon so upon that that systemic stuff, I think we have to think a little bit about a little less about the entrepreneurial solo superstar planter, which we, which we cherish and love. Um, but we also have to think about multiplication from the local church level. Mm-hmm. Well, I recently asked my pastors in, in a group setting with, I had a bunch of my leaders together. And I just said, if, if God came to you in an audible voice and said, you have to plant a church, what would you do and where would you go? And of those dozens of leaders in the room, every one of them instantly had an idea of, a, of what they would do and a place they would go. So that tells me that, that every church can be a planting church or be a multiplying church. Totally. That might not be a new church. That might be, that might be a new, we call it points of ministry. It might be a new point of ministry. It might be a, a Bible study down the road or a coffee shop downtown. It might be a, it might be a campus thing. It could be anything, but if, most of our most of our pastors, if God said to them, "You have to multiply um, within minutes within minutes they could come up with the the method and the place because so the, the question is how do we how do we uncap that yeah so if i have if I have sixty five pastors of maritime churches who could answer the question, "Where would you go next?" the question becomes why why aren't you going there yeah and I think I think we, you know, if we can keep, if we can find ways to open that lid, yeah. to resource that idea, um, which I think what the multiplication network does, I right? mean, that's 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 the idea is yeah. to lift the lid on all those possibilities. But I think it's 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 churches that multiply in this day, not necessarily people, individuals that go solo. Mm-hmm. But I think if our churches can, you know, there's a town an hour away, we have some resources and some people. We could we could do a thing. We could do an alpha. We could do a home group. We could do a a, a hard launch. We could do multiple things. But I, I, at least in my district, maybe I'm maybe I'm putting put all my stuff on across the country. But in my district, churches have to multiply churches in my region, and I suspect it's the same for the country. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to me, I've, I'm a little less on the has to be one way or the other. I'm more both and rather than either right. or. Right. I think there's entrepreneurial planters that are able to do it. And we need them. And we need them because mm-hmm. they're going to go. I think you identified a couple really important things. First of all, uh, the idea of are we serious about reaching Canadians? Because mm-hmm. right. if, if that isn't our heartbeat, like in you, you read the scriptures, they planted the gospel and then a church grew. But we're planting right. churches hoping the gospel will grow. Right, you know, and so right. I think if we just had a real gospel-centered heart and mind, going, there's a town that's not hearing about Jesus. Right, we've got to do something. Not the district needs to do something, or someone right. else needs to do some do something. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is, I think people need to understand they they already have permission. Right, I I can almost guarantee that God is asking them to go to right. that town. Right, right, exactly. Like right. I don't think he'd be going. No, no, no! Don't go there. Don't go there. 
Right. The, I don't like those people. So as they multiplication don't... leaders, we have to uncap that. We, yeah. Whatever the, whatever those things are. If, if that's money, it's money. If it's people, it's people. If it's fear, it's fear. But we have to we have to uncap that because because I think that's how multiplication will happen. And multiplication isn't something we just do for fun. I do think I think it's an answer to a to a problem. I think it's totally. not enough people know Jesus, and so the answer yeah. is multiplication. Hello. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, it's totally true, man. But. Great thoughts on that. Well, we've come to the rapid fire round. So we're oh, going to give you, you, yeah, it's new. We just started it. Uh, <laughs> start with this I'm starting it with this podcast, the rapid okay. fire question round. You right. don't know what the questions are going to be. Okay. So uh, some of them will have to do with ministry and leadership. Other things just totally random to get to know Jim. Okay. Okay. First one, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, definitely Pepsi. It has more sugar. Okay. Very <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm all about the sugar, baby. Okay. Cats or dogs? Uh, I hate them both. You hate them both? I hate cats more and I don't I have a dog which I which I which I wish would move away. Okay. Um do you have a a pet of choice? Uh no, no, I'm a low maintenance person, so any anything, even fish, they were they were a pain because they have to be fed. Okay, so golfing or fishing, what would you rather do? Oh, fishing, hundred percent. Okay, yeah, I could I could fish every day, all my life long. Golf, hate it. Okay, terrible at it. Okay, do you own a pair of skinny jeans? Skinny jeans? Yes. Uh, no, I have slim fit jeans, um, but the problem is I'm not slim, so it never works out well. <laughs> so they but look sk- like they're skinny. Yeah, but skinny <laughs> they look like skinny jeans. Skinny and skinny and me don't really get along. I just. <laughs> Skinny is not my feng shui at all. Okay. Tim's or Starbucks? Um, Tim's for coffee. Starbucks for the fancier drinks. Okay. Good. good so question. coffee for coffee, it would be Tim's, actually. Okay. Good. Uh, and I feel like a, as a maritimer, you kind of have to say that because there's a Tim's on literally every corner. Yeah. My nearest Starbucks to me is an hour away. So Yeah. Uh, do, do you follow any blogs other than the Multiply Network blog? Well, that's by far the best one. Um, that's worth the follow. I wouldn't miss an episode. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I follow blogs as they pop up about specific topics. Um, I'm I'm click hesitant, so I it, I got to really be interested in the, in the in the title before the I click. But so, I don't. I don't. Um, but there's a few that I check in. You know, regularly. Okay. So you're I like new, new new Hoffs is my probably the one that I okay. Carrie Newhoffs is what yeah. I kind of listen to regularly, but the rest of them are like, oh, I see a I see this one pop up, I'll give it a listen. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. you're thinking so so podcasts, any podcasts other than Carrie Newhoff? Not really. Okay. No, again, nothing I follow. Okay. But it's hit and miss. And I get I I guess I'm fortunate. I have a lot of people sending me a lot of episodes of different things that hey, you should listen to this. Right. And then I I try to so I I get to listen to uh, many but I don't follow any. Okay. Any books you read lately that are good? I got all kinds of um, um, books uh, that are in my stack to read, and uh, the one I'm reading right now is called "Marching Off the Map." It's about uh, educating and preparing uh, millennial Generation Z people. Um, so that's the one I'm in, I'm in right now. I'd have to look through my list of books to see what I'm what I've just read, but that's the one I'm in right now. Yeah. I got a lot of books in the stack to read. It's just yeah. hard. 
It's hard to get at them. And last question is, uh, do you have a ugly Christmas sweater? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, There's almost uh, a lament as you said that. Yeah. I actually like it because yeah, I haven't, I haven't pulled it out this year yet though, but I think it has something with Scrooge on the front of it. Oh yeah. Um, Maybe a bah humbug sort of terminology on it. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm, is... the, I'm the grumpy. I'm the grumpy old man at Christmas. I don't like the. I don't like the. I don't like the 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 decorations and the and the. You don't, eh? The, the stuff. No, I, I just not. I'm I'm a quiet soul. Yeah. So to joy to the world. You're not singing it with the smile on nope. your face. No, Christmas carols aren't my thing. Um, <laughs> decorating the Christmas tree is a is a painful exercise. Uh, I'm just not into it at all. So, if you want to follow this ray of sunshine on social media, <laughs> where do where do we look for you uh, at Jim Malloy? Yeah, everything with me is Jim C Malloy. Jim C Malloy. Yeah, so Jim C Malloy, and the Malloy is spelled with M O M O L L O Y. Yeah, Jim. Jim so good being here. You're a great friend, great leader, doing great things for the kingdom. Thanks for your time. And have yourself a merry little Christmas. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for uh, connecting. Uh, thanks for what you do with the Multiplication Network. I'm so so excited that we have this initiative in our yeah. in our fellowship now. I think we're going to take new ground. Appreciate your ministry. Come on. Thanks, man. Great. Appreciate it. 